Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of $15,178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive set of offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. We would like to acknowledge that this podcast maiden is being held on Aboriginal land the land of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation. And we would like to pay respect to their eldest past, present and immersion and their multiple birth parents with children with disabilities. This podcast contains truth laughter and the occasional F word, so it's not really suitable for children. Sometimes you just have to get your shits out. Shit, 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 shit. That's right, this is a language warning. Oh, shit. Hello, peas. It's Kate here today. I am without Mandy, which is very sad. Everything's fine. She just had a slight hiccup at home, so it's just a solo pee. Um, because you know, I know how much you love the weather chat. It is absolutely divine in Melbourne. It's like 20 degrees today and sunny. So we are blissing out because tomorrow it's going to be 11 and raining. But very, very excited to tell you that I'm going to chat with Phil today. Phil is the CEO of Wallara and a parent of a child with a disability. Hello, Phil. Hi, Kate. Uh, great to be here on this beautiful Melbourne day. Oh, beautiful. Uh, before it turns to crap tomorrow. <laughs> It really, really is going to turn to crap tomorrow. And I think this will date the episode, but I'm a massive St Kilda fan and I'm going to the um, Uh, final on Saturday and it's going to be like 14 degrees and raining and I'm going to get very wet at the MCG. (laughs) 
Yes, yes. We're but, not through it yet, are we? But it's it's teasing us. Spring and summer are teasing us. Yeah, yeah. I always say Melbourne's like the best weather flirt because you're like, yes, yes, I'm in. And then, no. Yes. <laughs> no, yes. tomorrow puffy jackets. The puffy jackets have not been put away. Mm. They are out for tomorrow. All right, Phil, I'm going to start with our three questions. The first question is, do you have music or a song or a band that either like pumps you up in the good times or helps you in the down times? Yeah, well, that's a great question. Um, and music is so powerful. Mm. Um, without getting political, it makes me think about John Farnham and that song, The oh, Voice, at the I moment, know. which is getting a lot of attention. And people, it oh, does. It yeah, really, really touched me, you yeah. know. Mm. I was watching that. I wondered how they'd done it, mm. you know. I was curious. And the way they started in the 60s or the 70s or whenever that time frame mm-hmm. is and slowly I see marriage equality in there and yeah. there's different things that they touch on through that story. I thought it was beautiful. And I, beautiful. I know there are people who are saying, oh, they shouldn't be using music for this or that. But there's no doubt music is powerful. Um, so for me, uh, one of my favorite pieces of music, it's not very you know, popular or commercial, mm-hmm. but there's a, there's a musical called Once. Okay, haven't heard of it. Yeah, it's a movie and a stage musical. Um, it's about a busker. Uh, Glenn Hansard is the uh, guy who writes the music and plays the music in the film. Okay. It's a fabulous stage show, and um, it's called Once. So, ah. uh, it's it's my favourite um, soundtrack stage show. You know, piece of music yep. that I go to. Ah. Beautiful. How often do you reckon? How many times a year does do you listen to that? Well, it's on my playlist, and the the key song from it is called Falling Slowly. Okay. Um, Beautiful, and I play some bad acoustic guitar, (laughs) and I worked it out. Yes, yes. I worked it out. I can play the little finger style on on the guitar, (laughs) so uh, I I probably go to that song a lot, but it's beautiful. Awesome, awesome. All right, I'm going to check it out. And if it's on Spotify, uh, Annalise will put it on our two-piece playlist so everybody can hear it. Okay, one of our favourite questions, did you win any awards at school? Well, awards at school. I, I got most improved or, or most likely to succeed, I think, for mm. my cricket cricket team okay. when I was about 14. Now, um, uh, I was a, a very committed sportsman as, uh, and as a kid, and I remember I was a fielder, and I would always walk in and do my best, you know, but I always used to wonder how come those guys are bowlers and there seems like in cricket the roles get allocated very early in life, you know. <laughs> yes. And if you're not one of those, you're just out in the field mm-hmm. and you better figure it out. And uh, and I would get in and I would I was very good on my defense, but I was too scared to take a bloody swing and try to score any yeah. runs. And I was found it very frustrating. And I remember after I got the awards and most likely to succeed for my cricket team, I decided to quit. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> Why? You just thought, I am not this person. I am yes. not most likely to yes. succeed. <laughs> yes, I'm getting rewarded for this and it's driving me mad. Something's wrong. Yeah. So I moved then to basketball. Ah. That was my sport from then. And suddenly I found freedom of movement yes. and you could be in offense and defense yes. and there was some contact and you could score and you could take shots and miss without being out all bloody day. That's true. <laughs> I must admit, I love watching cricket. It's one of my favourite all-time sports, but I played basketball growing up too. Oh, yeah. Well, that was my thing. And I loved the sport. And so then I was very lucky, Kate, later in life to actually get a job in basketball. Oh, like for a Melbourne 
Well, no, I, I got even luckier. I worked with the NBA. Wow. Yeah, for 12 years. So oh. I ran the NBA business um, in Australia and New Zealand. And then wow. uh, they shipped me to, and my wife to Singapore to run Southeast Asia, then, then Paris wow. for a year, and then London for three, and then Hong Kong for four. Wow. So 12 wow. years with the NBA. Dream job. Yeah. You must have seen a lot of basketball. Do it you still follow it? So I do. Yep. I do much. I, I love the sport. And my son, um, who was born in London um, in 2000, so he's now 23, mm. it was really fun seeing him fall in love with the sport yeah. and then go on and get the, you know, make the state team and and a U.S. college scholarship. You know, he, he had that whole, wasn't wow. quite the fantasy thing because it was COVID, of course, oh, so there were no yes. marching bands and cheerleaders and all that. Yeah. It was all a bit weird. Yeah. Um, but he played pro in the NBL for a couple of years, and wow. now he's just switched across to footy. Well, I, you know, I think which one has more injuries, basketball or football? Ooh, I would think football. Yeah, I would you think can football. get hit from any direction, yeah. and there, there's a lot more contact. <laughs> but there's certainly, I broke my nose a few times in basketball. There mm. are certainly injuries in both. But um, lots of fingers. Been... I remember at high school in yes. basketball. Yes, Lots yes. Of- so, did you? What did you love about basketball, Kate? What did you? Um, well, I loved the fact that, like, I'm not super. I wasn't super athletic, but mm. any, like, uh, in any game, anybody could play a really pivotal role. But even yes. if it was only for a short time, and yes. I wasn't bad at getting goals. I wasn't good at okay. a lot of other things, but I could do that. <laughs> so, if you're in the right spot and someone chucks you the ball in two seconds, it's in or half yes. a second. Yes. And I love the speed of it. I just loved yeah, the fast. speed. Basketball yeah, is fast. Yeah. It's not It's not like soccer. <laughs> no. It's the opposite of soccer, isn't it? it so is. slow scoring, all that passing backwards and yeah, holding yeah. onto the ball. You're like, wow, basketball is the opposite. So, yeah, and they're um, both awesome. They are. Well, mm. You can enjoy all sports. So we're going to see how he goes um, moving into football. Mm. And Richmond was interested enough to sign him as a Category B rookie for a ruck. I think they they love oh, a big – he's yes. six foot ten. Yes, so you can't teach height, Kate. No, you, you can't. can't. <laughs> you cannot. Mm. You cannot. Although I was very good friends with Sam Mitchell. We're going on a footy talk here. For people who live in Victoria or Australia, follow yes. AFL, they'll know that he played for Hawthorne and he's now their coach. And yes. he was always told, you are too short, you will never play footy. Yes, and that's right. he played Proved footy. Proved them wrong, didn't he? They, yeah, he did yeah, prove yeah. them wrong. But, yes, you're right. You can't teach height. Yeah. Um, and my final question, why are you a P? Why am I a P? Well, I think that's because of my uh, daughter, I think, um, mm-hmm. because Phoebe is uh, is 21 and Phoebe's uh, is – uh, non-verbal, so it doesn't talk and has yeah. a moderate intellectual disability. Mm-hmm. Um, very social, very curious, um, uses Auslan to communicate, but yep. hears everything, in fact, too much most of the time. <laughs> well, <laughs> she's a 20-year-old girl. <laughs> yeah. Um, so uh, that led me to, after working in sports like that, um, I I saw I was interested by disability, yep. and I saw this job as CEO of Wallara, and I thought, gee, I don't know what they do. Uh, or why they'd be interested in me. Um, I know it's important work. I had no idea what adult services were or the sector. I didn't even really think of myself as a carer. Wow. Um, but um, so I knocked on their door, curious, and they, they took a risk on me. I was very lucky, and it, it's the best job I've had. So I've been in that role 13 years now, and I'm Gosh. talking to you from the amazing Sage's Cottage Farm 
on the Mornington Peninsula, which um, is, I think, one of the best things or things I'm most proud about anyway. So we we bought this farm in 2015. It's 40 acres, and it's today it's run by um, 100 young people with disabilities and the public pouring through here mm. seven days a week, mm. great cafe. So all the listeners, come on down. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So for those of you outside of Victoria, Mornington Peninsula is really close to Melbourne. We've got an amazing mm. freeway that runs down there. Uh, you have to pay for it, so it's not actually free. Um, but it's really close to the city. Like it's, I think, from my place to Mornington's like thirty-five minutes or forty minutes. Yep. Or, yes. Yep. Yep. It's, yep. Very yeah. accessible, and yep. you. But when you come up the driveway, you feel like you're out in the bush somewhere. Mm. We've got a lake, all the animals, and and so the uh, the mission, Kate, with the farm and and listeners. Mm. Um, I remember thinking about all this, and and often in the disability sector, we talk about going out into the community yeah. accessing the community yep. you know this yep. thing yep. that we yep. want to sort a of phrase. Yep. isn't it isn't yep. it yep. um and i thought the farm here the community come to us mm. you know it's so nice to see them pouring in and we, we never want to be known as that disability farm yeah 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 because sometimes labels are dangerous mm-hmm. and, and the mainstream community can then feel a bit i don't know awkward or whatever so it's very much a a community farm and uh, and it's well, about 15,000 people a year now come wow. through the farm and see our clients working at the farm in all the different jobs. And we feel that's a great way to um, to normalize things yeah. and uh, to provide inclusion. And the farm's it's just such a great setting to do all that. Wow. And so if we go back to you've stopped working in basketball and you've decided yes. to work in disability, maybe even yes. back before that, Yes. Can you tell us a little bit about Phoebe when she was little? Yeah, sure. So Phoebe was born in Hong Kong mm-hmm. and um, I was running uh, the NBA business in, in Asia Pacific. And uh, again, dream job. And our boy was about, you know, three or something. Mm-hmm. He'd been born in London. So um, Phoebe, but Phoebe didn't um, present normally, if you like, right mm-hmm. from the start. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we knew she was uh, underweight and she didn't breastfeed. And so there were some milestones or mm. things that she didn't walk till she was four and a half. Right. Yeah. yeah. Didn't get up and she scooted around on her knees and no one could really tell us what was going on. Okay. Um, in Hong Kong. Um, and then it was a pediatrician back here in Melbourne who uh, helped us sort of get a, an answer and started talking about, we all heard phrases like global developmental yes, delay, yes, you know. Yes, yes, I remember yes. the first time I heard that, I thought, oh, a delay, okay. And then uh, yeah. I thought, now, if a train's delayed, it still gets Catches there. Up. It's just That's a right. bit slow, isn't <laughs> yes, it, you know? Yes, yes, um, But uh, And language can be well-meaning sometimes, but vague, and that's unhelpful. And so, you know, I, I learned... Um, more about it and and uh so Phoebes has a you know mild to moderate intellectual disability mm-hmm. cognitive impairment whatever language you mm-hmm. want mm-hmm. you know um but very social and, and is non-verbal yep. so um that's her thing and she's uh but um very healthy very happy very mm-hmm. social she went to Frankston SDS yep yes yep, so yep. I'm a fan of special schools. Yes. Um, There's I, many, many fans on this podcast. Yes. yes. I, I get very uh, upset um, mm-hmm. with some advocates who want to close them all mm-hmm. and think that the magic of inclusion is the only answer for everybody. Mm-hmm. And they want to, I find it cancel culture that they want to shut down anything that doesn't meet their, their measure of what inclusion has to look like. So, again, yeah. I think that's well meaning. And I'm pro inclusion too. But 
I, I want choices. Well, I think for we want everybody. to be pro-choice, don't we? So pro-choice. You, That's you, right. Respect you, choices. You where know, where your child or where you want to attend. Or, you know what works for your family, and people move between them. They're like, oh, That's I want right. mainstream. Isn't that I great? want this. It's awesome. Yep. It's how it should be. But I think it's really funny because, you know, we don't say, um, well, nobody should have a book club because book clubs are only eight people and only eight people are reading that book and talking about it. We're quite happy yes. for people to have a little group that they feel comfortable with yes. and they really like. But when yes. it comes to education, we want everybody in the same, That's you know, right. little box. And the education, you know, Mandy and I speak about this a lot. While it's awesome, it's broken. So yes. we need yes. different, I mean, it needs a big reno, but <laughs> we need different yes. different schools for different kids. Yeah. And I, I mean, today we hear about school refusers, mm, you know, people high. with anxiety and mm, things who aren't mm. going to school and, mm. and, and special teams that are being set up to sort of provide a better mm. environment for them to catch them mm, and, and mm. to sort of keep them engaged. And, and that's a special school. You can call it whatever you want, yes, but that's, that's what right. that is. Oh, know? yeah. Um, I see. And what about the high, I always think like, you know, the um, select entry schools that you've got to, yes. you know, that's a special school. Yes, yes. That's definitely a specialist school. There's ones yeah. that are just about science, ones that are just about music. <laughs> yes, yes. And not only are those schools, you know, special schools, they're segregated very as well segregated. because we hear the word segregated thrown around a lot. That's mm. a very loaded word. Mm. And the people, the inclusion um, movement, as mm. they call themselves, um, use that word uh, selectively. Mm. Um, but I, so my answer on schools is, look, there's boys' schools, girls' schools, special schools, uh, co-ed schools, religious schools, you know, there's all these uh, different settings. Mm. And if you if they all agree to give up their choices and, and have one option where we all hold hands and sing Kumbaya, <laughs> then, then I'll give up my choice then, you know. But until yeah, that's then, right. That's right. I want equality, I want choice. And now with my son, I had those choices, and yes. I, I went. He went to a public primary school, and then an independent um, high school. And I hope I made the right choice. Or who knows? Yeah, you, know? you never know. Uh, um, but th the idea: these advocates think that that school choice is so important that, as a parent, uh, it, that decision should be taken away from me yeah. because I'm going to choose some soft option, which is going to set my kid up for a second-hand life. I get irate at that. Yeah. I think that is so offensive and arrogant and condescending and colonial, Kate. I'm going to throw <laughs> the, the C word in there. It sounds colonial. I know. And I just think that it is, there's just so many amazing options. And, you know, I think it would be great if all schools catered to all students, right? That is yep. the dream. Yep. And then you got to choose which one you wanted. And I would like schools to be closer together geographically. You know, you've got your selector entry music school right next door to your specialist school for children that have intellectual disabilities. And next door to that, you've got the soccer school. How yep. amazing. This yeah, would be. sharing in ovals, resources. Yes. yes. This I would be on Wouldn't board. Wouldn't that be great? Yeah. Me yeah. too. Anyway, Me well, too. we'll change that in a couple of years. Good. <laughs> All right. So now let's talk about Willara. Tell us what it is. Yeah, sure. So um, I remember knocking on the door in, in 2010, mm. thinking, what is it? And uh, so they provide services to adults, you know, mm -hmm. post eight host school leavers. Mm -hmm. Now, it started in 1959, like a lot of these local yes. services did. Yes. And it was called something a bit horrific then, of course, like mm. the Danny Dong Mentally Retarded Children's Welfare Association yeah, or yeah, yeah, something yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Um, now, uh, and the pioneers at that time, uh, mm. It just amazes me. You know, mm. there was no funding, no organization. It was l families and local businesses mm -hmm. that 
fundraise and you know did amazing things mm-hmm. working out of no resources they mm-hmm. were incredibly entrepreneurial anyway they um we owe a huge debt to them for getting things started yeah. uh so today we um we started in Dandenong that was our home um and uh, we've branched out a bit now, and I'm down here near Frankston. It's not just because my daughter went to Frankston SDS and I live in Mornington, but that does help. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Does help. Well, I mean, that's a, lo- a lot of people like to get a job local to where they live. Yes, I think that's, yes. You know, that's yes. not just you. And no. so I know that I have a few links with Alkira, and oh, I know yes. that there's such a long history of parents like literally putting their own blood, sweat and tears in the building. Like there was mm. nobody else to do anything. Mm. Um, and I, it's just, it's so powerful when you go there and you realise that. But I want to know, how do you cater for those um, awesome people that have been in that service for 40 years mm. and the 19-year-olds that are coming through now yeah. who want to be YouTubers and, uh, <laughs> you know, how, how that must be a really tricky juxtaposition because not many workplaces have people yes. there for that yes. long. You're, you're exactly right. It's a fascinating part of, of these organisations because people mm. will say, okay, Phil, how long are the clients, as we call them, and mm. there's no mm. great word for that, mm. but, you know, mm. we, we like to think we provide professional services mm. and mm. so clients are free to, um, entitled to that level of, of excellence. Anyway, mm. um, and I'll say, well, it depends, you know. Mm. Um, there's a guy here at the farm who won't mind me telling his story. He's 65 in December right. and he works here at the farm Loves the outdoor work. He came to Alara at four and a half. See? Four and a half. We that, were. They have we to were, be no records of people yeah. that have been. Yeah. yeah. And, and Kate, it's um, it's so beautiful because his, uh, his brother told me the story. You know, he goes, Phil, you, do you, want, you know, Terry's at the farm. And most of the kids at the farm here, I say kids, you know, it's 18 to sort of 30. Mm. And, and Terry's when 65. When you're old like us, they're kids. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> So I noticed Terry and I thought, okay, that's a, that's good to see a yeah, different, different age group yeah. coming through. But it was a bit unusual. And then his brother said to me, Phil, uh, Terry came to Alara when he was four and a half. And I've got these old black and white photos, like a lot of these organizations have, mm-hmm. of the, those kids coming in the, the first group in 1960 or something um, when we ran a, a sort of a special school because there was mm-hmm. nothing else around, mm-hmm. right? Um, and uh, he he was with Willara through that time, and then he moved away maybe to another. He's in a group home somewhere in Frankston with another service, but he heard that we were running the farm, and he always loved outdoor work. And I've got these photos of him in the 80s when he's holding mowers and things and you know yep, doing yep, those. Yep. And now he's back at the farm, and it is a privilege to play such a, a mm. role in people's life. And so on the other end of the spectrum, Kate, as you know, there's a – there's um it, it can be much shorter than that. Yeah. Uh, there's a kid uh, again, another young man who was in my daughter's class all the way through school, mm-hmm. and he came to Alara for 18 months. Yep. He drove up the bloody driveway to attend our service when he <laughs> left school. He was that high functioning, if you yeah. like. Yep. Yep. And um, he's now got an apprenticeship at Mornington Golf Club. Yeah. Beautiful. You know. Yep. 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 Fantastic. So there's so, a whole spectrum there. Whereas. We're there for them as long as we think we're adding value and, right. and they want us to be. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So do you want to give us like a really brief, like what were the original services and what do you have now? Yeah, sure. 
originally it was a sort of a grew into a hostel on Potter Street, Dan, and on there about 35 people living together in a big hostel with not a lot of bathrooms mm-hmm. um, and, and some workshops and things pretty much on one block of land. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like mm-hmm. a congregate, institutional, whatever you want to yep, call it. Yep, That's yep. how a lot of these services started. Yeah. And then they decided to, okay, you know, Q Cottages was getting broken down and suddenly mm-hmm. people mm-hmm. were realizing, big, you know, we needed to break things up. Mm-hmm. And so they Jeff made Kenneth. this massive. <laughs> yeah, 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 a bit of that. Uh, massive transformation. And mm. um, when I got there, they had pretty much sold two-thirds of that land to someone else. Right. Um, and Winteringham does aged care for people who are homeless or heavily financially disadvantaged. Right. And they were going to come into that piece of land, and then we were dispersing. We were grabbing tennis clubs and scout halls and all the community buildings we could find. Right, right, right. And the people in the hostel were moved out into more regular housing, you know, yeah, yeah, where they yeah. were only with maybe four people. They mm-hmm. got to choose who they were with mm-hmm. and they were in a shared home. Mm-hmm. Uh, so today, so that all happened in sort of 2010, huge transformation. Huge. And I landed in the middle of a it was sort of a building site. It was about six months away from finishing. And um, and today, uh, we work with about 650 clients. Right. Um, We've got three streams. So there's accommodation. Yep. We, we support people in independent living. Yep. Um, and my daughter will move out of home one day, of course. Yep, uh, yep. And I would love her to move into with a, with a friend or two mm. in some sort of shared house like that. Yeah. Um, work is a big stream for us. We, we provide uh, employment to around 230 people uh, across horticulture, warehouse services, um, and we've just taken over a, an organization in the north of Melbourne, in Brunswick and Ooh, Reservoir. Up the in cool, that funky corridor. areas. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah, you and all largest... are becoming vegans. and <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Um, and the, so that's the work stream. I mean, some of our work customers include St Kilda Football Club. Um, is that your team? It is my team. <laughs> very, team. very much my team. <laughs> Kate, have you ever bought a beanie or a scarf I have or anything every online? season, yes. Well, well, now I can inform you that that product would have been picked and packed and shipped to you by one of our clients. Ah, well, I go. will be, I'll I value them even more. There now. you go. Yeah, yeah that's um, awesome. All their merchandise is in our warehouse and we store it and pick and pack and ship it. And we've been doing that work for St Kilda. They just extended us for three more years. Great. We mow lawns at Moorabbin and Seaford. They pay us for all that. So they're a great um, uh, work provider and we're part of their part. Of, we really feel part of their organization. They're great. Oh. Um, and the last stream of services is really day service is a, is a horrible phrase and, mm. and means nothing. So we call it learning and lifestyle, but yep. it's really skill building, work right, pathways, yeah. skill building. The farm has uh, 80 clients here that are, including my daughter, who who are um, feel like they belong at the farm and um, have important roles at the farm, but they're not in paid work. So uh, we've got people in uh, media um, in about nine locations mm. across the southeast. So um, we've expanded a lot, but... Um, in dollar terms, we're about $30 million a year. Wow. Kate, and, and that feels big to some people, but scope is $650 million a yeah, year. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Well, 600 people, it's not really that much when you divide it, is it? That's right. <laughs> and staff right. and everything else. Yeah, so yeah, yeah, yeah. For people who are listening who have no idea what we're talking mm. about, when you say they're not in paid employment, what do you mean? Yes. Uh, well, across Australia... 
um, there are 16,000 people in supported employment. Mm -hmm. So as I, I knew, I knew nothing about this when I started out, so I was fascinated to learn. And mm -hmm. I, I want more and more people to mm -hmm. explore and, and understand this. So there's open employment, which is more the regular mainstream employment, full award wages, et cetera, et cetera. Mm -hmm. And then there is a level called supported employment, which mm -hmm. has existed for a long, long time. Um, and it's basically a discounted wage. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Now imagine if you were tasked, and there are 16,000 people in jobs, um, right. and their wages, this is separate from their disability support pension, mm -hmm. separate from their NDIS money, mm -hmm. um, and uh, they earn wages. Yes. And it provides work for people. In my view, there again, there are some people who want to shut all these jobs down because everyone should be paid, you know, mm -hmm. $22 an hour, regardless of how many widgets they move. Mm -hmm. uh, and I think that is, you know, um, a lovely idea. Um, but in the reality, all those jobs would be, or the vast majority of these jobs would be lost. So mm. you have people earning, earning on average about 8 or $9 an hour mm -hmm. for the hours that they choose to work. They get out of bed. They feel productive. They have mm. pride. They're working with St. Kilda. And, mm -hmm. and now these are award legal wages decided by the Fair Work Commission. Right, yeah. So yep. if anyone ever tells you that it's illegal and it's sex, it's slavery and it's, mm. you know, and it's two bucks an hour, it's a sweatshop, there are those claims. But please, if you want to find out about it, come on down to Willara and mm. I will proudly show you why we are so proud to offer these jobs. Mm. Yeah. And I suppose, uh, especially for people who are transitioning through, it's like uh, being in a trade, isn't it? Like you, yeah. you're supported, you're usually living at home with your parents, you get the tradie discount on your ute and your petrol and all of that and you earn less because you're getting a skill. So yep. I'm assuming for some of your um, amazing clients, it's just a gateway to them. It's like a couple yes. of years after school and then, yep. um, Now, you know. again, a bit, a bit like Terry, um, who mm. I mentioned before, um, some people, uh, it can be a stepping stone to another job. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's fantastic. And we see some people moving into open employment. Mm -hmm. But for some people, um, they want to work with uh, people like them in a very supported environment. And i got to tell you, open employment is not for everybody. No. Um, just like open school is not for everybody, you know. Yeah. So I am super, super proud of these jobs. I'm so glad that Australia's Fair Work Commission sees the need for mm. this tool and for these jobs. It's not easy. Um, again, I, I love the idea of inclusion, but inclusion means giving everybody who wants to work the chance to work, mm -hmm, you know? Mm -hmm. And if you talk to these families who are in these jobs, mm. and, and I'm one of them, you know, it's not about, uh, would I like my kid to earn some more money? Always, probably any job that they're in, yeah. you know, yeah. who doesn't feel a bit underpaid. Yeah. If they're getting seven or eight or nine bucks an hour and their pension and mm. their NDIS money and mm. they're feeling productive and useful mm. and all the things that a job provides, mm. I think that is a great outcome. And that to me doesn't seem, if they're doing about half the regular output, and I know those language might be offensive to yeah, some, but, you know, you get about half the, the, the regular wage and your other stuff and you're in employment and mm, I'm mm. totally cool with that. The more mm. jobs, the better. Oh, definitely the more jobs, the better. And I know it's one of those areas where um, there are other, you know, like I think childcare is vastly underpaid. I think yes. certain levels of um, a lot of care, you know, that is often yes. heavily women um, but there are a yes. lot of other jobs too that are underpaid and I think as a society, not all of us, but a lot of us would love those jobs to earn more. Like, yes, yes. you should be getting another $10 an hour, but we yes. don't know where the money comes from. Yes. And I think yes. that's the problem. So 
and I have not got a master's in economics, so I have no idea. (laughs) (laughs) I know there are people much smarter than me that can, you know, say it needs to come out of this part of the pie. But for now, I suppose we have to work with what we've got. And and we can all look forward to an amazing future where hopefully everyone gets paid more. But Mm. um, I think for me, if... This is for me, not for my children. But if I get up and do a job that I really love, Mm. there is such a a rewarding sense of achievement for the day. Now, of course, I need more money too. The cost of living crisis is revolting at the moment. It's a really tricky time to be a single mum. But there's also something amazing about loving what you do. Oh, it is the mental health that comes from all of that. Mm. Um. And haven't we learned that, I would hope, as a the Western world, if you like, you know, mm. we outsourced a lot of jobs into Asia, didn't we, you mm-hmm, know, mm-hmm. and we thought we were being really clever and suddenly people didn't have jobs anymore to go to and and what are, what's the impact of that, feeling mm-hmm. useless, mm-hmm. not not needed. Um, so everyone needs to be occupied and busy and feel proud and and. I got. I'm also proud about the sort of work we are able to win. Mm-hmm. Now, no offence to, um, and I love seeing all work yeah. for people with disability. Mm. But often you'll say, okay, well, we, we run op shops, or we, or there's a there's a tip drop off before mm-hmm. you get to the tip where we do some of that recycling, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. and that works great. But uh, I love the idea of working for St Kilda Footy Club on yeah. their merchandise, for example. Yeah yeah? yeah, yeah, yeah. We work with Maya. We work with, you know, big, we, we handled Mary Kay Cosmetics for across Australia and New Zealand, you know. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, big brands that people go, wow, you guys are involved with your part of that supply chain, not doing some, you know, sidelines. And sort you of can business. see it. Like when yeah. you go to, when um, people go to the footy, they're like, oh, yeah, that's St Kilda. I work with them. Or that's, yes. you know, my yes. sister or brother uses Mary Kay Cosmetics. I work yes. with them. So it's a recognisable brand. It's not just, um, you know, you, you're doing something that nobody, you can't talk about that's it because right. no you're one knows. That's right. You're invisible. Yeah, that's yeah, right. yeah. And if, if I've got one thing, Kate, on that, um, mm. thank you for the time here, but for the listeners, here's the one thing that I, I would love to see change. What if I said to you that if you're on the disability support pension, mm. you're allowed to earn $90 a week before you start losing your pension. Yep. Okay. And when you lose it, it's at 50 cents in the dollar. Right. So for that 91st dollar that you earn, you actually only get 50 cents, mm-hmm. right? Because mm-hmm. you'll lose 50 mm-hmm. cents at it and it starts to phase out. So yep. it's, it's effectively a 50% tax rate kicks yeah. in, right? And I know plenty of people who do work with us who think about, uh, they, they'll say they'll only work two or three days a week because they don't want to lose any of their pension. Yep. Right. Yep. yep. And what if I said to you, and that's that's we all think about how oh. what makes us better off and decide how much is it worth working or not, yeah, right? You yeah, know, extra yeah, days. Yeah. Now, what if I said to you that the aged pensioner can earn a hundred and fifty dollars more than wow. the disability pensioner before that tax kicks in? Ah. Oh. Would well, you be outraged about yes, that? Yes, I am outraged. Do you think it should be the same yes, it for should those be the two same. pension Why holders? Why is it not? So the age pensioner group have lobbied on this for a few years now and got and said we want to keep we we should be incentivized to work more mm-hmm. we shouldn't lose our pension benefits so quickly and there is a age pensioner work bonus you can look it up anybody uh-huh. and all I would love to see is disability pension holders have exactly the same treatment it is outrageous oh I did not know that we'll have to yeah. get on to Bill Shorten isn't he the yes, person that you know he is the person. Yeah. He is the person. Wow. So, yeah, that that makes a a lot of sense. Huge difference. And that's a lot of money. Yes. That's a lot of money. That is the difference between going to the footy or 
you know, yes. going out for dinner or getting a coffee. That's that's a lot of money. So let's incentivize that, yeah. just like an AIDS pensioner. Yeah, <laughs> I love the fact they can go and earn some money without suddenly getting whacked with a 50% tax rate, and it should be exactly the same for the disability um, support pensioner. And if um, you uh, you work for, you know, an extra four hours and then the yeah. next week you don't, does it just automatically adjust? Yeah. 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 You stay under that threshold, um, but, you know, I talk to our clients often and they're all nervous, of yeah. course, about that. Um, they're, they're limiting their work to, mm. to maximize their financial position. Mm. I get that. Mm. Um, they're nervous about losing their health card or concessions mm. if they move on. We need more um, freedom for people with disabilities to work more and incentivize mm. them, mm. reward them, and not have them in fear of losing, you know, entitlements over no. time. And I think for a lot of um, parents of children who have uh, disabilities, they've fought so hard for those entitlements that it's really, I think the whole family is on board with this is precious, precious, precious money. And yes. and so it's probably it's a real head thing, you know, to get your head around the fact that, oh, we're going to change the way we're getting that money, we're earning our money. It's probably really yes, hard. it is really hard. And um you know, and that move from supported employment into open employment that, you know, we, we all encourage, you know, mm-hmm. it's a it's a real risk. Yes. Kate. The reality is that is a risk. And pe- some families w- and, and people will go, well, I want to try it, but what happens if it doesn't work out? Can yeah. I come back into yeah. this place, you yeah. know? Um, because sometimes it, it's much, it's a rougher world out there. You know, that's why it's called supported employment yeah, because that's, that's why right. we exist. <laughs> yeah, that's you know? right. Yeah. We wish anyway. it wasn't. We wish it wasn't a rougher world. Yes. But I think you talk to any parent, not just parents of children or young adults with disabilities. The thought of your child ending school, going to uni, getting a job, going to TAFE is really scary because yes. whilst we are really happy for them to blossom and bloom and, you know, maybe go and play at Richmond Football Club, we're also terrified <laughs> of them failing or people bullying yes. them or yes. losing that you know, safe environment. And then I think when you add disability in, it's even trickier. So yes. I think it's a natural a natural thing for parents to feel like that. Yeah. And and we're not wrapping them in bubble wrap, you know, and denying them. These people that will say that my daughter is sort of living this segregated life, you know, all her friends have disabilities. And I'll go, well. And also, what is so wrong with the majority of, of your friends having a disability? Exactly. What Let, a terrible I, my, thing to say. I know. I know. You and know? you know what that is? You know what that is, Kate? That's ableist. Yeah, I know. It's now, so weird because it's coming from the same camp. Yes, it's so confusing yes. for me. But I always yes. say to people, when I had twins, I had three children and then yes. I had twins. And I knew how to be a mum. I knew how to breastfeed and I had a mum's group. And then all of a sudden, my parenting experience was completely different. Having yep. twins was very – people would say to me who didn't have twins, it's just two babies. And I'd be like, no, it's really <laughs> not. And within a year of having twins, I found a whole new group of friends. I didn't lose my old friends, but that's how Mandy and I met because okay. actually that world was so different. It was the same. We were changing yep. nappies, We were, but it was so different, right? Yep. And then yep. when my children had learning issues and disabilities, I found another group of people, but I needed yep. them and they needed me because yep. my journey was so different now. And yep. you couldn't have told me that I would want to change or get new friends for these things. I would not have believed you. I didn't believe you when I was pregnant with the twins. I didn't join any twin support groups because I thought, I know how to be a mum. 
And yes, then yes. a couple of years ago, I came out as gay and I was thought, I don't need, I don't need that, but I do need that community actually. So yep, I yep. think we are so, it's so shallow to say to somebody who you don't live their life, you don't need that. Yes. I do. Yes, I want I, people I like agree. that are like me. I love having diverse friends. I love having friends from when I used to go to church. I love having friends that are atheists. I love having church that people that vote yep. for the Greens and people that vote for the Liberal Party. I love this part of my life. But yes. I want a few pockets of friends that really are just like me. Yeah. And that is very natural, very human instinct mm. there. And my wife and I call them PLUs, people like us. You know? <laughs> Um, and we've we've travelled around the world, you know. And we've we went to London, and all the Aussies seemed to live in Earl's Court for some reason. Yep, and yep. we decided we didn't want to. We wanted to be more, you know, not not yep. not in the obvious places. Yep. Um, but you seek out people like us, yeah. you know, PLUs. Yeah. It's very natural. Yeah. And um and my daughter should have the same right yes. as everyone. Now now also um Kate, you might think that you might look, imagine looking at my social group and saying Phil. You're hanging out with people who are a bit too much like you. Yeah. And we sort of think your life would be more rich and diverse if yep. you had some different people in your mix. And I'd yep. say, well, you know, piss off. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I'll hang out with whoever I want, and that might be to my detriment. And and I, I'm like you; I have lots of diversity. I like that, but yep. I like my PLUs as well. Yeah. And um and you can have your opinion about who I hang out with, uh, but but it's our, when you here, don't want to hang out with someone okay. because of something, then I really yeah. struggle. Like if you said to me, "I don't really want to hang out with you because I don't really like middle-aged women who are a bit overweight and wear glasses," I'd be like, "Hey, hey, hey," you know. But if yeah. you if you and I you know go out for coffee a couple of times and we're like, oh, we're not really hitting it off. We like each other." but we're probably not going to go out and do social things. That's fine. But I think all of us have that sense of complete injustice when it's like, I don't want to hang out with you because you have autism. I don't want to hang out with you because you're fat, you're gay, you're whatever. So I think I understand inclusion. I'm desperate for it, right? Mm. And I would love a world where people didn't fucking stare at people. That's that's all I want, right? Yeah, yeah. But we just have to do it little bit by little bit. Yep. And and uh, this word segregated, you know, watch out for it because mm. the Olympic Games is segregated. The Paralympics is segregated, you know. Mm. Um, as you will know, um, the and some listeners may know, in, there's, in Sydney 2000, we held the Olympics mm. and something happened at the Paralympics, uh, which I think is a, a very short story. Can I tell it? Yeah, yeah, go. Okay. All right. Yep. Okay. So in Sydney 2000, Kathy Freeman, all the rest of it, wonderful. Okay. Mm, mm. The Paralympics followed and the Paralympics had a, allowed the ID group, the intellectual disability yes. athlete group, to compete in a couple of events. You know, it's their platform. So they controlled it and they yep. kindly let the ID guys play. Um, and Spain sent the men's basketball team down there and they didn't have an impairment. They mm. cheated and they won the gold medal. And it was found out and discovered. And so what are we going to do? They look, looked around. Everyone else had done the right thing, you know, had yeah. recruited the right people and Spain cheated. And so mm. the, the uh, Paralympic movement met to decide what to do and their decision, not ban Spain or whatever else, but ban all ID athletes from yeah. competing in the Paralympics. All right, you're all getting punished. Yeah, and so it wasn't until 2012 London that they decided to open the doors again. Now, I'm not criticising the Paralympic movement, no. but the fact is that's that camp and they've built that event and it's a wonderful event yep. and they're nervous about letting too many different people inside the room. Yep. And guess what? The ID group have gone now and set up the Virtus Games, which yes. is just for people with an ID. Yep. So they've got – now all these events – 
are worthy and no one should roll it all into bloody one, you know, and watch it thing because it would never end, mm. um, you know. And so they're segregated events. I mean, so, football, we just had the Women's World Cup. That's segregated. Yes. only women yes, playing. Yes. And as a woman, I'm like, I am so glad. I love yes. that it's women's football. I yeah. love that I can see representation and small children growing up can see representation of amazing yes. female athletes at a level yes. that I have never seen in my whole life. And I, I love it. I think it's an awesome segregation. I don't like yes. when commentators or whoever say, oh, they're only women or they're only para-athletes or they're only, it's only the Virtus Games. That's what we don't like. But yes. I love that I can go to, you know, um, Special Olympics and see an awesome soccer game and then I can go to the MCG and watch St Kilda play. I can go to AFLW. Isn't this great? Yeah. So many options. You, you know what the inclusion movement uh, who, who are so upset about all this are missing? The phrase is diversity and inclusion, mm. D and I, right? Mm. Now, that means diversity of school choice, you know, mm. diversity of sporting choices, mm. diversity of living options, you know. That's mm. how we provide inclusion, mm. not by forcing everything into one box. Yeah, and I think, of course, the most important people are the people that it's happening to, that live with the disability, work with, you know, your clients. If they don't like yep. it there, no, they don't have to go, right? Yep. I yep. really I appreciate there was a time in the past where, Children weren't given a voice and adults weren't given a voice and that is wrong yes. and anyone that was involved in that would feel terrible now. Yes. We've moved on, thank God, as a society. Mm. But I also think, you know, my children go to mainstream school yep. and it's really interesting to me when parents come in and they're really unhappy about things that I think are ridiculous <laughs> and then they move their kids out. And I'm like, but the kids were quite happy. Right, but yeah. the parents aren't happy with the ATARs or the parents aren't happy with the sports facilities or whatever it is, I don't know. Mm, mm. And then you're like, oh, some people don't listen to their children no matter if their children have a disability or not. Mm. That's just parents. This is going to be a problem the world over. Anyway, I don't yes. think we're going to solve this today. <laughs> <laughs> Before but, but we podcast, finish. I've got to say, yeah. podcasts like this are so important to get the, these stories out, you mm, know. Mm. I, I love this, um, the, the new media world, you know, where oh. uh, as someone who tries to get disability stories into the media mm. and, and finds the media going, well, you know, is someone in a wheelchair? Because that sends an easy message to yes. someone. And can someone articulate a nice, clean story? Because mm. I've got to get this on the mm, camera. Mm, mm, and some stories are too hard. We don't we, want invisible disabilities. No, no, <laughs> that's right. That's right. So, Our podcasting is you. amazing because... I, you know, I often look at um, Mamma Mia, which is the most, the biggest Australian um, female podcasting network. They are in the top charts every week. They're all women. And there was an immediate place in, in Australia that 15 years ago would have predicted that they would be the biggest podcasting yes, network, that's right. right? Because yeah, yeah. we just have a voice. Mandy and I just yeah. sit here and talk. You don't have to listen, but you can if you want. And yep. it just, podcasting really is a level playing field because you choose who you listen to and the people are speaking and they're listening. Yep. Mm. Yep. It's wonderful. Do you want to say anything before we finish? Is there anything about your service that you want to tell yes. us? One last story, mm. the philosophy behind us, I guess. Mm. Um, as I thought about the mission and, and all the rest of it, you know, um, I remembered uh, Phoebe um, getting up to play in the playground 
Um, again, she's very social. But mm -hmm. uh, there were three reactions from kids. One third of kids would sort of play with her pretty happily. Mm -hmm. One third of kids would literally run away in fear mm -hmm. yeah, and mm -hmm. make a face. Mm -hmm. And the third, the middle group were like not quite sure what to do, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. um, and poor, you could see them. And so my wife or I would get up and say, look, this is Phoebe and she can hear you, but she doesn't talk, mm -hmm. you know. Mm -hmm. Oh, why doesn't she talk? So there was some engagement mm -hmm. or some education, if you like. Mm -hmm. And then we'd say she uses Auslan to communicate and this is the sign for dog or something and mm -hmm. and they go oh that's so interesting and mm -hmm. the conversion rate was really high mm -hmm. right mm -hmm. so the philosophy at Wallara we can think of ourselves as a social change agency mm -hmm. and we're trying to do things that reach and engage and convert the middle third mm -hmm. that's what we're about right yeah that's what that's what the farm's about. That's mm. why we do. Please look at Willara TV. If you go on YouTube, you'll see mm -hmm. Willara TV. There's 400 videos there. We've done TV shows. We love getting like you love getting these stories out yeah, yeah. so people can see what's happening in mm. inside Willara and hear from our clients as much as possible. Mm. So let's let's change the middle third. Yeah? Let's change. What a great idea! Yes, let's change the middle third, and all of that will be in the show notes. I'm sure. Uh, Auntie Lisa will put it all in the show notes and you'll just be able to click on it and go to YouTube. Wonderful. You won't even have to Google it, peace. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for your time today. It's been lovely talking to you. I know Mandy's disappointed. She's like, damn, but anyway, this was this is what happens in P-Life. It's unpredictable. That's right. Well, lovely talking to you too. And you're both very welcome to come down the we farm. We will. Let's I will come down. Tour. Yep, 100%. Love to see you. Good Especially you. as this weather warms up, I will come down. Thanks, Kate. <laughs> all right. Thank you so much. That was a really interesting conversation. I know there are going to be things in that that some people won't agree with, but that's what conversation is. And the older I get, the more I love having challenging conversations. I don't like fighting. I don't like people being mean, but I like hearing different points of view and I like hearing all the different arguments and I hope you've really enjoyed it. If you live in Melbourne, go check out that amazing sage farm. I think I will definitely go down there. I love the peninsula and, um, yeah, maybe I'll do some social stories down there, peas, and you'll see them on our Instas. Have a great week. Bye. Bye.